Welcome to the first edition of the Colourful Kit Podcast Extra for the 2017 Apertura. Now, if you're new to the podcast, then first of all, thank you very much for listening. And uh, I'll just quickly explain how this works. Uh, each week after the weekend's matches in Liga Mekis, I do a podcast where I go through a big topic of the week, which can be something quite general, um, something that that popped into my mind over the weekend and it is a general thing to talk about regarding Liga Mekis or it can be specific to the weekend's action so it might be breaking down one specific match or or even just a, a specific team um, today we're going for something a little bit more general I then do a player of the week and just talk quickly about who stood out for me in um, the weekend's matches and then I end on uh, listener questions. And if you want to get a question in, then I normally ask for questions um, sometime in Sunday afternoon on Twitter. And so just reply if you see uh, that tweet and um, then I'll answer it on the show. So let's get straight into it today and start with the big topic of this week, which is a, a question. Has the season started too soon? Now, Obviously, with the schedule of Liga Mekis, the time slot that they have to fit in, there isn't really any wiggle room. I'm not sure if there's any wiggle room at all. If there may be like a midweek that's free, but there's obviously negatives about having too many midweek games because you end up um, with more fatigue, you know, less time for players to recover. But what we... The product we saw this weekend was far from the top quality um, that we normally get from Liga Mekis. So 13 of the 18 teams that played this weekend were missing at least one player on international duty at the Gold Cup. 13. So the vast majority of the league. Um, Chivas hit the hardest. Five of their players are currently in the Mexico squad. Plus, uh, they, they're going to suffer the long-term absence of Alan Pulido, um, injured, obviously, at the tournament. So, effectively, you've got you know, six players missing. So, that's more than 50% of a potential first 11. Um, and they had to play a lot of um, youngsters on, on Saturday. Obviously, they've, they've lost a few backup players as well, like Miguel Ponce and uh, Avion Calderon. So, that's bringing some youngsters. Uh, lots, but yeah, it wasn't just Chivas. Like I said, 13 of the 18 teams were missing players. Uh, there's also questions over the players who are at the Confederations Cup. Have they had long enough to recover? Did they have enough time to, you know, go on holiday for a couple of weeks, uh, recharge the batteries, and then have a decent preseason to to hit the ground running? I, I'm not convinced about that. It may have affected their start of the season because they weren't quite ready. They're not quite fit. Or it could have affected the end of their season and potentially their World Cup. Obviously, a massive year. We're going into a World Cup year. Uh, and we will go straight from the end of the Liga Meki season into that World Cup. And there's a question mark over will, will the players that were at the Confederations Cup, and obviously I'm talking about Mexican players, but I'm talking about the, the Chile players as well. Will they have had enough time to recover to make sure that 
they don't go into the World Cup fatigued. And that's the last thing we want, you know, particularly from an L3 perspective. We don't want our players going into the tournament tired um, and, and not at their best. So that's a problem. Uh, the other thing is, yes, a lot of the a lot of the new signings were just not ready, seemingly. Um, whether that's not fit or uh, haven't had enough time in training, uh, and I mean, we've heard that Kasuke Honda is going to take three to four weeks until he's ready to play. So you know, that's a shame. Um, all this meant. We had a diminished product. We had a lot of patched up teams, lots of backups, youngsters uh, getting games, alternate sides, I guess you could say. It meant that we couldn't, we couldn't decipher too much about how each team will play this season. And it, it meant, yeah, we, d- we didn't have a full quality week. Sure, it was fantastic for some of the young players to get game time. And it was enjoyable to watch some of them. Um, you know, a lot of them, to be honest, didn't impress. But some of them did catch the eye. I thought Jonathan Gonzalez uh, from Monterrey did well, playing in the deep line playmaker role. He looked, he looked a pretty good um, talent. Uh, technically, sort of very. Well, he had, had all the the textbook technique for for that defensive midfield deep line playmaker role. You know. Uh, turning around, receiving the ball, looking to play forward, uh, accurate with his passes. Um, so he he looked pretty good, and and uh, I also also thought Pablo Lopez, um, who's the Portuguese youngster, did pretty well in the game on Sunday. And with Honda out for longer, um, we could see more of him. Although, of course, they'll have Eric Gutierrez to return now that, unfortunately, uh, Mexico have been knocked out of the Gold Cup. Um, so yeah, it was nice to see those youngsters, but we didn't have, like I said, we didn't have the full product. I mean, so many alternate sides and some of the games were not great on quality. I'll be honest, I I watched the first half and I thought there's no point watching anymore. The Tijuana Cruz Azul game was absolutely atrocious. I mean... It's one of the worst games of football I think I've ever seen. Um, it was like watching non-league English football. There was, there's like no technical ability on show. <laughs> there were like so many errors, so many miscontrols and passes being like they couldn't connect any passes. Um, like Tijuana, every time they got the ball was like they just sort of lump it long and 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 hope that something would happen. Inevitably, it didn't. Cruz Azul won the game despite making fifty-seven percent of their passes. So that almost fifty percent of their passes they didn't complete, and they had two shots on target. Uh, both were scored by Edgar Mendes. The the second one was a nice counter attack. Simple tapping. The first is one of the worst errors I've ever seen from a goalkeeper. Uh, Chipro and Lahoud will not want to watch that back. That was absolutely horrific. The whole match just screamed of two teams that just weren't ready. (laughs) 
you just watching two teams that that just didn't appear ready to play. They didn't appear like they were match sharp. It didn't appear that um, they'd had enough time on the training ground to to work on tactics, to work on getting used to playing with each other, particularly uh, Los Cholos, who have um, 50% new side this season. They've made so many signings over the summer and, of course, have a, a new coach who wants to get his ideas across. And we've had such a short um, pre-season, we, that's what we have in Mexico, that perhaps they haven't had enough time to work and to, to get together, to practice on the training ground, to practice in friendly matches and uh, get used to playing together, to get used to playing in the system. And as a result, we saw a terrible performance. And now Kudet's got a lot of work to do to improve that side. Um, last point to make on the early season start Lobos Wap have yet to agree a deal with Televisa over TV rights so no one could see the game so in 2017 we had uh, a match that was not televised uh, at all there's also no proper stats even available for this game I don't know if like just because it wasn't being televised there were no people taking stats at the game like no one just went to the game or whether they weren't allowed to go to the game I'm not sure but you can't get proper stats from this game um, like it says on sofa score for example that both teams had two shots um, and because they drew two all so we d- I don't even know how many shots each team had all I know from the game is that there is a very poorly shot uh, short clip of highlights um, on Medio Tiempo and so yeah you can you can watch the goals from it's like it looks like someone in the crowd has put their camera on and uh, yeah it's <laughs> it, it's really poor you know it's it's poor for the image of the league and it's it's disappointing for fans many fans um, whether you're a fan of Lobos or Santos Obviously, they'd have wanted to watch the game, but also people want to see the newly promoted team. You know, people want to see what they're like. Um, especially as this is the team that they haven't been in Liga Mekis. So it, it's a great shame that we we missed their opening game because of um, a failure to agree a deal, and perhaps, well, partly a reason for that is because we had such a early start to the season. Meaning that I guess they haven't had time to, to come to, to terms. Um, hopefully, they will agree a deal soon. I've heard that if they don't buy a, uh, the third week of the season, they're free to negotiate with other companies. Um, but we'll see what happens. Hopefully, we're not going to miss any more Lobos Black games. Obviously, it is really difficult with um, the schedule, with the time to, <laughs> to to start the season any later, but... For all the reasons I've mentioned, players missing, teams not ready, Lobos not on TV, um, reserve teams, lots of reserve players, we saw a diminished product of Liga Mekis this weekend, and um, it's it's disappointing, and it doesn't give the best impression uh, to any international fans that may have been watching, and, and perhaps 
this would have been the time that some international fans might have been watching with the lack of um, football in a lot of the rest of the world right now. Moving on to my player of the week. Now, at this point, I would be expected to talk about Ene Valencia. Hat-trick on his first game back in Liga Mekis. Surely he's got to be player of the week, right? No. Uh, I'm going to go with a different Tigres player. A player who produced something even more extraordinary than a hat-trick. Something even rarer. I am quite confident in saying I don't. I don't have statistics to back that up, but I'm quite confident in saying that this feat is rarer than scoring a hat-trick. That feat was completing 65 of 66 attempted passes. Lucas Zellerayan completed 98% of his passes on Saturday against uh, Puebla, which is just ridiculous uh, this included nine long passes in fact the only pass he didn't make was a long pass uh, um, it's just insane it's absolutely insane on top of that he won four tackles won six out of nine duels um, and of course scored an absolutely stunning golazo which started off the 5-0 drubbing for Tigres so El Chino was extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary on Saturday. Um, and he thrived in a deeper role. Uh, and he's, he's played there sometimes before um, with the amount of attacking talent he does have. You, you know, he's sort of originally a number 10 attacking midfielder, but he's been dropped deeper um, to fit him into the squad in the past. And that's what happened on Saturday in Tigres's new 3-4-3 formation. He played in a central midfield role. And this um, gave him that little bit more time, a little bit more space, playing in a deeper role. And he absolutely thrived. I mean, to complete 65, 66 passes attempted is phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, it's it's m- completely mind-blowing. Uh, one of the greatest performances uh, I've seen in, in Liga Mekis, to be honest. And that's why uh, he had to be chosen even ahead of Ena Valencia, who scored a hat-trick. He also had to be chosen because you may have seen um, I tweeted about Zellerand's achievement on Saturday, completing uh, 98% of his passes, and it was picked up quite a lot by quite a lot of Tigres fans and, and some other Liga Mekis fans, of course. And uh, it's now got over a thousand likes, so um, that was quite amazing. I, in fact, here's the story I actually tweeted it. Before, like, just before I went to bed and woke up and saw it had like 700 something likes, and I was just, I, I was stunned because that's, yeah, way more than anything I've ever had. So um, that was really amazing, uh, and uh, yeah, to to get over a thousand is 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 awesome. So special mention for to Zellerian for that, and of course to everyone who who um, liked and retweeted that. So thanks, guys. Okay, let's get to these questions. So first one from at Cesar H Football, who asks, if you could start a Liga Mekis club, where would it be located? What would it be called? Who would your first signing be? Someone asked me something very similar to this last season. Um, I remember, I can't remember who asked it, but uh, I did answer this, uh, something really, really similar to this last season. So 
sorry for those of you who remember and listened to the uh, episode last season when I spoke about this. But I would make a team in Mexicali, which is in Baja California, um, on right on the border with the US, and has a sister city on the other side called Calexico. And there's this like international dual state thing, which I think is is awesome. Um, and I hope that the current situation in the US doesn't mean that this agreement is under threat, because um, I think it's a it, it sounds like uh, an excellent collaboration between the two countries. And I think here you, you'd have a chance to create a really great, like a team in sort of in the vision of Cholos. So a team that can like straddle the border, <laughs> to put it one way. You know, a, a, a team that has fans and identity both in Mexico and uh, in the US with Mexican-Americans. Also, it's not too far away from Tijuana, so I think you could have a great rivalry there. You know, the two sides um, fighting over fans in California. That, that could be a really great local derby, I reckon. So that's where I create a team. There's a, there's a big population there, like all the the entire metropolitan area reaches almost a million um, people according to Wikipedia so plenty of fans in the city itself and of course uh, I'm sure many people would come from further north in California uh, to drive down and, and watch the Liga Mekis football so yeah that's where I'd make the team the name I would go for would be uh, Cachania Mexicali because um, the people in like the pe- people from Mexicali are often called cachanias. It's a desert plant um, with, from, from the picture I'm looking at right now, it's got kind of green foliage and, and sort of pinkish, purplish flowers. So it looks quite nice. Uh, yeah, the, the people from the city are often known as cachanias and so they identify with the plant. We have so many teams in Mexico that are named or nicknamed after animals so why not one that's named after a plant i think that would be nice who would i sign first well in an ideal world to get in um as many fans as possible of course it would be some form of of mexican star whether it be chicharito or vela you know some some mexican star a big name to try and um draw the fans in that would be the business uh, decision to make and of, of course they would do uh, I, I'm sure they would perform very very well on the field too um, I guess from a personal perspective it would be Ruben Bolter alright next question from at Fronteriza Foot who asks which Liga Mekis team do you consider yourself to be a fan of or which team is closest to having you as a fan I get so many questions about this um, and Every time I have to give the same answer, uh, <laughs> which isn't just diplomatic. This is the truth. I, I don't support anyone. You know, to to support a team, you have to you have to feel it's part of you, part of your identity. And um, I don't have any connection with with a specific team or a specific place in Mexico, and therefore. I don't consider myself a fan of anyone and 
I don't go into matches or seasons hoping that certain teams win. Certainly, season on season, I have teams that I like, um, teams that I prefer to watch than others. Like um, Years ago, it was always Pachuca were my favourite, or Morelia when they had um, Montero uh, at the club. Um, last couple of seasons, it's, it's mainly been Chiapas who have drawn my attention and, and um, been the, the team that I've enjoyed watching the most. And, you know, I've been a fan of the team in terms of the players that are there at the time and the manager and the way they play. But I haven't identified myself with the club itself. And, I mean, they don't even exist anymore, <laughs> you know. And even if they did, they'd have a completely different team to, to what they had last season. So I can't um, say that I'm a fan of, of, of the team itself. I just liked the... The players and, and the way they played last season but not the team itself so yeah sorry to disappoint you guys uh, I don't support anyone Liga Mekis uh, I just love the league at Ivan Pineda 83 asks if you had the opportunity to bring in Giovinco, Fernando Torres Drogba, Falcao or Andy Carroll who would you take and why I had to laugh at Andy Carroll but um, Ivan makes a good point you know he's a good aerial threat he, he could be very effective against small uh, Liga Mekis defenders that aren't the best in the air, particularly if um, Andy Carroll was playing under a, a coach like Carlos Reynoso. Falcao, for me, is, is, is probably the best of them right now, and I think he would be absolutely lethal. Giovinco is more of a creative player. I think he'd be more exciting to watch. So perhaps from a neutral fan's perspective, it would be Giovinco. Yeah, I think he would be a really, really entertaining, such a skillful player. And obviously, um, yeah, he's he's the sort of guy who, who you think would would suit the league a lot. You know, um, he's he's a you know, small guy, very quick, very very technically gifted, and um, scores some great golazos. So I think he'd fit in really well, but. Uh, perhaps if I was a, a manager looking for a guy to get me as many goals as possible, I'd go for Falcao. At CultureHacky16 asks, is there a tactical scheme or way of playing that you would like to see more of in Liga Mekis? Interesting question. Um, tough one. Tough one. Well, I guess I'd love to see more um, Sergio Bueno style football, like what he did at Chiapas, which was... <laughs> Phenomenal, uh, absolutely beautiful, um, uh, beautiful football. But uh, I think what I'd like to see more maybe is is what I was talking about with Zellerian earlier, which is moving someone who's naturally or, or originally an attacking midfielder or a number 10 into a deeper role. Now, this is something we're seeing a lot in world football now with players being more physically capable uh, the pressing game has become more advanced players are covering more distance on the field than ever before you know, back in the 1970s the average player was covering 5k a match now we're seeing players hitting like 12, 13, even 14k so it's a massive difference and as a result spaces on a football pitch have become really really limited so what we've seen is a lot of attacking 
or players who would have been attacking midfielders getting moved back into deeper roles, giving them more time, giving them more, more space to get on the ball and create things and, and show their class. This was uh, very, very effective for Zellerayan on Saturday. And I'd like to see more managers do this. Uh, take a bit of a risk. It's a risk putting in someone who's originally an attacking midfielder into a deeper role because they may not be able to contribute as much defensively. But I'd like to see managers place a bit of faith in these guys, um, try to coach them on their defending, you know, improve the defensive side of their game, perhaps improve their work rate as well, and therefore uh, get more out of them. You know, because like the vision... Um, the creativity that players like Zellerian have is very, very difficult to teach. And I, th I personally think it's easier to teach a player to at least be more effective defensively than it is for them to be more effective as a creative force. Like, for example, I, I reckon you could get more out of putting Zellerian as a midfielder and central midfielder and focusing on his defensive game than um, sticking with like Duenas, for example, and trying to get him to be a better passer, a more creative player. It's so difficult to, to teach that vision. Um, you know, no one, no one really knows. The, 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 no one really knows um, how to how to coach that. Uh, so there are ways in which we can try to help players that become more creative, have better vision. But there's there's very little um, that's that's known about it to be honest. And so when you have those players that are special that have that that, that talent that gift, uh, it seems a waste to to not use them to leave them on the bench. Another player who thrived on this last season was Dita Bilapando, originally an attacking midfielder. What did managers do in previously like when he was at Atlas? They put him wide because they thought well. We can't use him as a central midfielder because he won't be good enough defensively. What what we do, we'll put him out wide. Well, out wide, he's not as effective. He doesn't have the same range of vision because you know he can only pass inside. He can't pass into all options. He can't pass to all angles. Uh, he doesn't get on the ball as much. He, and so he's not as effective. At Chiapas, Bueno took the risk. He put him into a central midfield role. He was sensational in possession. And you know what? He was brilliant out of possession as well. No player covered more distance per 90 minutes than uh, Viel Pando last season. So that's what I'd like to see. More coaches having faith in their real creative attacking midfielders to put them into deeper roles um, rather than chucking them out wide or sticking them on the bench. But yeah, if we saw more of that, Sergio Bueno, uh, I called it like... It was like futsal football. Um, the just the the encouragement to play your way out of tight spaces, the quick interchanges, the fluidity off the ball, um, absolutely extraordinary. Maybe also what we saw with Piojo at Tijuana in the first half of last season when he had the the line of three in behind Caraglio with Hurtado and um, Auche and uh, Moreno with the three constantly switching positions. That was fantastic to watch. Uh, that's something else. Yeah, lots of fluidity of movement. I love that. At Nielsen Bohr asks, um, will Liga Mekis miss the players who've left this summer 
or will the level of the league increase with the new talent that's come in? I think overall, I would say increase. Looking through the players that have come and the players that have gone, in terms of the players that have gone, I think we've only really lost, I don't know, like three big players um, who are Lozano, um, Guido Pizarro and Edwin Cardona. And it's a shame that the three of them have gone, but obviously it's fantastic for Lozano and Pizarro's development. Probably for Cardona as well. Seems like he, he wants to be at Boca more than he wanted to be in Liga Mekis, certainly than he wanted to be at Pachuca. The other players we've lost, we've lost a lot of legends this summer, like Palo da Silva, Dario Veron, Senior, of course, Multai OV, Piccolin Palacios. But all of these players were really past their best. So I don't think the standard of the league's losing out on too much with these guys going. Uh, then you look at the guys that have come in. I mean, of course, Keisuke Honda is a phenomenal signing. Ene Valencia is a massive guy to come in. We've got the Chileans, Angelo Sagal, and uh, Felipe Mora. Um, just two strikers that they, they look like great additions. Another Chilean, the defender, Igor Lichnowski for Nakaksa, comes in with a, a big name. Uh, there's there's tons of guys, um, tons of quality that come in. Tijuana have signed loads, like Akiri Garay, Gustavo Bo, Damian Musto, uh, Donati, Kalinski, all of these players could be fantastic. Santiago Garcia at Toluca is a big a big name to come in, a guy who's been uh, playing for Werder Bremen in the Bundesliga for a long time now. Uh, Leno Vangioni coming in for Monterrey, Juan Pablo Carrizzo, both of them joining uh, from the two Milan teams so I think we've got quite a lot of quality that's come into the league and I would say on the whole more quality coming into the league Edgar Mendes another another name just pops into my head of course scored two goals for Curis Azul on his debut on Friday so overall yeah I would say more quality has come into the league than left it and, and therefore I think the level is going to increase I hope so Moving on, at Reed Munir asks, if you could go to end again make his game in the future, what would it be? I would say uh, it would be a Tigres game because just the atmosphere at a Volcan looks absolutely extraordinary and it would be it would be such a pleasure to experience it. It would be one of you know, it would be, it would be one of those experiences that uh, I wouldn't f- forget for my whole life. Um, so, why not the Clásico? Clásico Regio at a Volcan, I would say. That that would be my number one game I'd go to. That Yeah, uh, that would be an amazing experience. Final one comes from at Jeanette L93, who asks, uh, do you think Tigres can use the formation used against Puebla, the 3-4-3, against tougher opposition, or will they have to adjust? Also, how's the Spanish? Um... Maybe. It's tough. Uh, they were outstanding going forward, but there were defensive issues. I mean, Puebla completed 90% of their passes on Saturday, which is very, very impressive. But perhaps a suggestion of, of Tigres defensively. They also managed, uh, pretty sure it was eight shots from inside the box. Puebla. Yeah, they did. 
well, well remember Tom, uh, eight shots from inside the box Puebla completed, which is very, very impressive. Uh, the same amount as Tigres. And, and on another day, I'm not saying they would have got something out of the game, but they certainly would have scored some goals. Uh, they, they missed a few good chances, Puebla. So it suggests that there's stuff to work on defensively for Tigres um, with this new system. Part of the problem is whether they can cover the wings well enough. We saw Javier Quino in Jürgen Dan play there on Saturday, and we've seen them play in similar roles in the past when Mexico played against New Zealand in the Confederations Cup. And it's fair to say there were some defensive issues that day. Dam offers more defensively. He will drop back uh, more often than Aquino will. But whether either of them are at the moment intelligent enough defensively, um, good enough in one-on-one situations to deal with some of the fantastic wingers that we have in Liga Mekis remains to be seen. Uh, I think they've got work to do on that front. Another concern for me is the um, wide centre-backs. So it looks like Janino will play in the, in the central role and then either side of him on Saturday was Torres Nilo and Mesa. Now, you'd probably assume that Ayala would come into one of those roles when he comes back from international duty and I'm not convinced that he has the pace to play as uh, an outside centre-back in a back three. Uh, yeah, I'm not not sure. So that could be a problem. On the positive side, they will have a defensive midfielder to bring in. Uh, probably Mateus Uribe will come in for Israel Jimenez, and that will help to uh, improve their defensive capabilities. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he adjusted for the big games. But you know. After such a successful start with it, I think Tuca will continue to work with the formation and I think he'll be happy to at least give it a trial. Uh, and that's the great thing about Liga Mekis is that with the top eight making Ligia, he can test it out in the regular season uh, and then decide whether or not it's the right move to make for the playoffs. Uh, how's the Spanish? Well, <laughs> I've been saying kind of... Kind of saying that I'd been learning it for a while when I hadn't really been because I, I don't know, I didn't have time and I was lazy and stuff. But I am getting back onto it now, and according to Duolingo, I'm 11% fluent. So there we go. <laughs> I'm, I'm working at it. All right, guys, that's it for this week's episode of the Colourful Kit Podcast Extra. Thank you very, very much for listening. And if you fancy listening to some more excellent podcasts, check out the feed at World Football Index. Thanks to them for hosting this podcast. Thanks to everyone for the questions. Some excellent ones again to answer as ever. And yeah, I will catch you all in next week's episode.